In this comic book is a love story, a boy and girl in love. They get married, and after an offensively lurid description, illustrated, of course, of the couple's wedding night, the book shows how the bride murders her husband by chopping his head off with an axe. This comic book describes a sexual aberration so shocking that I couldn't mention even the scientific term on television. I think there ought to be a law against them. Tonight I'm going to show you why. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Memory Machine. My name is Nate Lockhart. I will be your host on this historical, pop-cultural, anecdotal podcast from the Geekiverse Network. Across the way from me, I have today as my co-host... Uh, Trey Whittish. Trey. Back for more horror stuff. All right. How's, how's everything, Trey? How's every little thing? Everything's fine. Oh, everything's good. good. Glad to have you here yeah. today. We got a lot uh, to talk about today. This is a big, 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 big topic with horror comics. It's, yeah. it's bigger than I thought going into this. So <laughs> I, I hope you'll excuse a bit of generalization, yep. a bit of clumsy attempts to stitch a narrative together. Yeah. Because really, we just want to talk about the ones we like. Right. So. And, there's, and uh, there's a lot that we like. Yeah. So mm-hmm. look forward to that. Right. But before we get into that, let's start off with a little bit of uh, The Week in Geek. Yes. Which we looked up a little bit. Trey did a little research on this day on October 24th, uh, birthdays. Yes. And we found a couple that we think are good, one more so than the other. But let's start first off with Moss Heart. Yes, a very timely one because mm-hmm. he wrote the screenplay for the 1954 A Star Is Born movie. Yes, yep. He was born on October 24th, 1904. Yes. So happy, uh, what is it, 116th birthday to you? To Moss Hart. Yes. 14th, 114th birthday to you. To Moss our Hart. dear departed Moss yes. Hart. Well, yeah, did you say, did you mention that he, he wrote You Can't Take It With You? Oh, also You Can't Take yeah. It With You. Yeah, you wrote that. The Man Who Came to Dinner. Merrily We Roll Along. Yeah. So for yeah. you theater geeks out there, Moss Hart's a big uh, big name. Yes. Big name. Uh, I saw a production, um, my college did a production of You Can't Take It With You. That was very good. Yeah. Uh, it's the first time I've ever seen that play done. Play. And I liked it. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It was good. I have not seen the Jimmy Stewart version. Neither have I. Really? Yeah. That surprises me for some reason. I, I know. <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've seen it on stage at yeah. school or something. But yeah. yeah. You know. Huh. Well, but the other big one for this week in Geek is, of course... The Crypt Keeper himself, John Cassier. John Cassier. <laughs> Hello, kitties. I can't quite do his voice. Yeah, uh, no one, no one can. Um, uh, <laughs> it's his voice. It's just his. He, yeah, he did the Crypt Keeper for the uh, 1990s television series of Tales from the Crypt that aired yes. on HBO. And I, I think we were talking about uh, if it might have shown on other networks. I feel I like I think it probably was on Sci-Fi or, or Fox. Yeah, showed you were a few Fox. episodes of it because I don't yeah. think I saw it on HBO. It I've makes, seen it, but I did not have HBO, so yeah. I'm going to assume it was on Fox. Yeah, it, it makes sense that it was that uh, it was syndicated. I know they made a lot of episodes yeah. of it, so I'm sure HBO wanted to get it get it out there yep. to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guest of ours at Nickel City Con. Yes, he was, and he was a very <laughs> willing guest. Yes. He, he would just get on the microphone and vamp and vamp and vamp, and you could tell he just 
he enjoys chewing scenery yes. and he's very good at it. Yeah, he's very good at it. <laughs> and he loves doing what he's doing. So yeah. kudos to him for still yeah. loving being the Crypt Keeper after all these years. Yeah, keep cranking out. Also, he was a Buster Bunny in the last season of Tiny Toon Adventures. So <laughs> That's right, there's he that. Was. Oh, and I just <laughs> he, started or, watching that. Oh, again. did you really? Yeah. yeah, he replaced Charlie Adler, yeah. who had done it for the other seasons. Um, Charlie Adler, who is uh, kind of notoriously hard to work with. Oh, I he's know he's a bit of a prickly pear, from what I understand. But that's okay because after he left, uh, after he after Charlie Adler left Tiny Toons, he did like every single voice on Cow and Chicken. So <laughs> okay, he he got himself Jeez. a big old paycheck on that. So good for you, <laughs> Cow Charlie Adler and Chicken. Oh that's right. man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's definitely uh, one of the lesser lauded of of that. Uh, era of Cartoon Network original programming. I still watched it a bunch. Yeah, I did it too. It wasn't very good. No, no, you could tell it was trying a bit too hard to be like Ren and Stimpy-ish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, chicken, um, want to count my teats? I remember right. that part. Yes, yes. But <laughs> yeah. uh, the voice, him doing the voice of the, the red guy, the, the devil, was quite funny. I did enjoy it whenever he did that voice. Anyway, uh, so but that's not about him, about John Kassir, so no. kudos to you. Many many blessings um so i don't know about you but are you ready to talk about horror comics as ready (laughs) as i'll ever be okay all right we nominally i did research for this uh starting last week but i couldn't the the thing is is there's so many the, the narrative isn't easy on this it's not easy to take the facts and string them together in a digestible narrative. I mean, that's sort of always been the case with history, but right. especially here, there's just so many, there's too many places you could start. Right. Um, let's see what I have here. I, I wrote a bit in my notes about certain starting points you could point out. Uh-huh. I mean, the elements of horror were in comics pretty much from the word go. Yeah. Borrowing a lot from... Pulp magazines. Yeah, weird, your weird tales and such. Yeah, weird tales, astonishing stories, right. um, that kind of a thing. But they were never outright horror. Um, I feel like a good a good couple examples of the kind of horror you would see in late 30s, early 40s comics would probably be, probably be in uh, superhero villains. Right. So you had the original version of the Red Skull from Captain America. And he was originally drawn to be a lot more gruesome than he is in his current incarnation. Right. He was okay. much more. So if you just basically, he was just a red skeleton, dressed in a Nazi uniform, with beady eyes, and he looked very. Um, he, he he looked a lot more. Yeah, uh, he looked a lot more gruesome. He was, he's a bit more ghastly yeah. in his original okay. appearances. Um, and then Solomon Grundy, I guess, the Green Lantern film yes. that came out in the forties. Yes, 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 him. Um, you know, he's Frankenstein-based. Uh, if you look at that original cover with Solomon Grundy's him rising out of the swamp, have you ever seen that? That that, that cover of uh, Pro- Green maybe, Lantern? Probably, I'm sure. I don't it's know. a great cover. I was never uh, a Green yeah. Lantern guy. But. Yeah. And I believe even like an issue, what I, I don't know if I wrote this down, but like an issue 31 or 32 of Detective Comics, Batman just fights Dracula. Yeah, well, that's just yeah. what he does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you gotta get your villains from somewhere, right? Right, right. But I don't know, but you, again, you couldn't call these horror. No. Not quite in the way that the Pulps had done it, because the Pulps had basically done horror already by that point. Oh, yeah. 
And this is where it was getting. Yeah, that's so, where like guys like H.P. Lovecraft and Robert right. Block and Clark Ashton Smith, Smith all got their starts right. and, and, stuff. and even and Fritz then, Lieber and yeah. Um, like, and the thing is, though, is you could like go back to that and be like, well, you know, we had the pulp magazines. Which was in turn influenced by Penny Dreadfuls, which in turn was influenced by Grand Guignol Theater in Paris. Oh, well, and you're just yeah. like, okay, where are we going to stop yeah. with the origin chasing? Yeah. When are, um, yeah. The Bible? Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Demonic possession goes back to the Bible. Yeah, it goes back to Homer and the Odyssey. Yep. All right. I don't know. Yeah. People right. are going to stop listening. Right, I know. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, but that was sort of the thing where I just right. fell down a, a giant rabbit hole trying to piece this pieces together but um the first recurring recurring horror feature explicitly horror that i could find we can we can generally agree on is dick briefer's new adventures of frankenstein which was published in prize comics prize comic. during okay. world war ii have you read any of the no dick i'm not briefer familiar with the, these uh, the new adventures of frankenstein yeah he, he would fight like nazis and stuff um, of course. So, that's what so happens during I guess World War II in comics. Right? right. So he's sort of like half horror villain, half superhero. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually more familiar with Dick Briefer's um, Frankenstein run after World War II. Because after World War II, he turns it into sort of a Adams Family monster situation where okay. Frankenstein will do things like try out to be on a movie or try to invent a son for himself or like get really frustrated because he can't get back to play with his ghost he, he like he just wants to go back and play gin rummy with his ghost friends but he keeps getting ca- caught up in certain things it's a really enjoyable series it's very clever uh dick briefer's writing uh-huh. style is very uh very good to get the oh you're trying to get a good picture there i guess yeah that. yeah <laughs> but, gotta uh, get up on our social media oh yeah um, i'll figure it out yeah but uh <laughs> so so that was the very first recurring right. feature there were okay. all the things uh, spattered throughout. Uh, one thing was an adaptation of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. All right, uh, done yeah. in the mid forties. Okay, you had, they would do that, uh, right? That would that would be a normal. They do a lot of adaptations. Yeah, right? and they were like detective stuff. Yeah, you know, which is horror adjacent. Yeah, horror um, adjacent. But okay, so adaptation because even in yeah. Creepy, in those early issues of Creepy, they they, they adapted. Uh, Asimov's Adam Link, and would do like the continuing adventures of Adam Link was a recurring thing. Yeah, and creepy. So they would do stuff. Would they do stuff like that? Like yeah. I guess like Dracula would be a villain, or Frankenstein right. would fight Nazis, right. or, or even then just like a murderer, because murder's scary. <laughs> yeah. So that's Murderers you know terrifying. Well, you don't want to be murdered. Well, that's what I think pinpoints to like the most obvious and most direct uh, progenitor to horror comics. I think are the crime comics yes. okay. of the forties, and not just in terms. I mean, you talk about in terms of horror, there's some horror stuff that happens there, you know. Um, like in terms of murders or, you know, hooded villains right. or stalkers in the night kind of a thing. But there's also gratuitous illustrated violence. Okay. There are panels of people just getting shot through the head, you know. Like you see the bullet exiting the skull kind of a thing. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, not for kids. No, not for kids. I mean, there is blood right there on the page. And I think that's where you really start to see the influence of crime into horror. Right. Because then okay. you had, um, in 1947, I think, January of 47, you had a one-shot called Eerie Comics, which had right. just... Very typical vampire werewolf stories. Okay, yeah. Um, Your universal horror type. 
thing. Yeah, yeah, and it still isn't quite what you think of, because I, I, I feel like, see, I'm doing such a bad job even right now, just stringing this together, but... No, you're doing fine. But, I can follow. Well, I, I'm glad you can. <laughs> um, but usually what you think of when you talk about horror comics, and especially you talk about the origin of horror comics, the thing that comes to your mind is Tales from the Crypt. Yes. EC Comics. Right. You know, but... Eerie isn't quite that. It's not gruesome enough. It doesn't have the twist endings. It's very rote. Um, a little light, lighter fare? Lighter fare. Okay. Not as explicit. Um, not as literate, even. Because EC comics are actually quite literate. Yeah. Um, especially compared to co- other comics of the time. But but going from Eerie, so I, I believe Avon, yeah, Avon Comics published that one shot of Eerie. And then from there, you go into one called Adventures into the Unknown that American Comics Group published in 1948. And that was the first recurring horror title. It was a book of only horror stories that appeared regularly. And that, I believe you would say... I, I feel... I mean, you could say Eerie. That that issue of Eerie Comics from Avon is sort of the first, but I feel like that's just sort of a... It was a one-shot. It's so, a fluke. Yeah. It's a fluke. This is the first series. Adventures into the Unknown is is the genesis that, that you get from there. And horror comics were around, you know. Um, they weren't the big sellers, though. It, no. wa- it wasn't the big thing that it would become at the time 1948 it was it was still crime comics and and then especially romance romance comics okay. were huge romance and uh teenager baffles stories my mind romance comics yeah like, who read romance comics? everybody everybody and that's the thing we're going to talk about this a little bit later but comics back then were not were not for children they were children's comics that you could buy funny animal stories and things like that but these were still just books that they were books for adults. everybody okay. for everybody crime comics were what your dad read you know right romance comics were what your mother read okay. um All right. you know those were or then and then your older brother read like patsy walker you know or something like All that right. or uh archie you know uh, the old Archie right. comics Archie when he, st- when he still had like time. the buck teeth, <laughs> you know. Oh, He's um, been around for a long time. Yeah, huh? 1942 is when Archie started. Wow! And you could still buy his comics at the grocery store today. Yep, crazy. Uh, but those were what was big. Oh, and westerns. Westerns were perennial oh, at that course. point. Everybody, everybody read loves a cowboy shooting yep. an outlaw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, but but horror was there for uh, the disturbed individual. But even then, Adventures in the Unknown is kind of it's still it's still a little tame. Okay, it, it's not it's not as visceral as it would get. Right, and it really wasn't until uh, Max Gaines, owner owner of EC Comics, then called Educational Comics, I believe, <laughs> uh, he died in a boating accident, oh, and at the time no. they were making mostly there were a couple westerns there was one called moon girl which was like their only superhero attempt and by that point they changed it from a moon a girl a romance so it had turned into a romance comic um okay 
and the by adult by aroma. yeah, because the superheroes had kind of died off by the late forties for the most part. Yeah, a lot of them had gone. That's another thing to mention too: is superhero comics were the worst sellers in the in the late forties. Late forties is that that's the is that the end of the golden age? Because you know the for people talk about the, zero, the golden age, the silver age. So like. When yeah. the when the golden age ended, is that when the horror comics really started coming into their own? I feel the like the golden. golden age? I would say the golden age ended with the comics code. Okay, that, that's what I would say. All right. oh, I just I'm not exactly because sure Fawcett on the history was of that. still publishing Captain Marvel, so you okay. still had Captain the old Captain Marvel. He published right up until the mid fifties. Okay, um, Superman was still going. Dracula, uh, Dracula, Batman was still going. Okay, um, so there were still a few. Uh, Wonder Woman, I think, actually had been canceled. Green Lantern had okay. been canceled. Flash had been canceled. All right, because I, I know like yeah. what people consider the Silver Age of comics was when like Marvel came up with Spider Man and the Fantastic Four that's and the Hulk, yeah. and that's Silver Age. But I never yeah. know when exactly the Golden Age ended. Yeah, I, I would say Comic Code, definitely okay. Comics Code. Right. Um, Either way, when the Jack Kirby style became became Vogue, okay. that's because uh, uh, he used to draw very differently yes. in the forties. Um, anyway. So so Max Gaines dies in the boating accident, okay. and William Gaines, his son, takes over. And he talks with his buddy Al Feldstein, and they talk about how much they love to read Astonishing Tales and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, stuff like that. Okay. That's what they really loved. They loved yeah. those horror, those pulp horror stories, right. and they loved Universal Monster movies and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and especially, especially Lights Out. Everybody. Oh, yes, yeah. and Arch Obler, yeah, whoever uh-huh. did it before Arch Obler, I yeah, can't remember the, the, the name. witch's tale or whatever yeah. it was, um, witch's oh, cauldron, that something. Is, that yeah. stuff's good. Yeah, and the Inner Sanctum, Inner Sanctum, Inner great. Sanctum. So they loved those radio horror stories, yeah, and they wanted to bring that into the comics. And these folks were, they, you know, uh, they actually a lot of comics publishers. I feel like put them out there because they sold. And that was why they did it. They're in it purely for money. Right. Let's, pl- let's pump them out. People like funny animals. They'll buy it. <laughs> um, but uh, William Gaines and Al Felstein really loved comics. They loved reading them. They loved making them. And I feel like because of that, they put in. There was an extra degree of care put into their first title, which I, I think it was the Haunt of Fear. Was the okay. first was their first the horror first title. EC was Haunt it was either that or Vault of Horror. I think it was Haunt of Fear. Were there Fear. three main ones? Was it like Tales from the Crypt, Haunt of Fear, and Vault of Horror? That's right. One was mm-hmm. hosted by the Crypt Keeper. One yeah. was by the the witch, old witch, and the other one is somebody else. Like yeah, the, somebody was else. It, I, wasn't it just like the Vault Keeper or the Vault, vault Keeper? Yep, that's so it. So it was just another the vault Keeper. keeper. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember they had Crypt the Keeper, three. Vault Keeper, Old Witch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what they did is they uh, you'll find this a lot actually with with horror titles is they would take a, a comic that was already published and they would just turn that into a different title entirely because it was cheaper to just continue the numbering from a right. previous comic. So A Moon, A Girl, A Romance became The Haunt of Fear. <laughs> and overnight, <laughs> uh, everything was dropped, and starting with issue 13, it is now The Haunt of Fear. Right. And, and they kept the numbering, too. They right? kept the numbering. Okay, so, I know that's what would happen for yep, stuff. Like They kept the numbering, uh, and it... Was a runaway success. Oh, awesome! Runaway success. EC Comics put horror on the map for the genre, for the literary genre of comics. Uh, it was a big, big, big deal, and of course, the industry being what it was, uh, 
everybody rushed to it. And in those days, I mean, nowadays we think of, okay, how many comics publishers are there really? DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, IDW. And that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah. Aside from, I don't know, does Vertigo still publish? Maybe. Or not Vertigo, um, Valiant. Does Valiant still publish? No, I don't know. Then you got a bunch of independents. But back then there were like 20, 25 uh, different publishers going on. There were a ton of them. And they were all making bank. So if you imagine all of these publishers coming down like a hawk onto horror comics, and there is a boom. Everybody is making these things. Uh, Especially the uh, predecessor to Marvel, uh, for all intents and purposes, Marvel Comics. Back then they were Atlas. Atlas Comics made the most. They made a ton of these things. EC Comics, as prolific as we think that they are, between their first release of Haunt... Going up to the beginning of the Comics Code, they released 91 issues of horror comics under three titles. Right. Quality over quantity, I guess. Yes, yes. That's why they're remembered. Mm -hmm. Atlas, or Marvel, I guess as you could refer to them, released 18 titles and 399 issues (laughs) of comics. How do you have... I don't... They don't. They couldn't be that many different things, right? It had to be eighteen titles no and like reprinting stuff. The, like I, even in maybe. Warren, even Erie Magazine would print like a couple new things and then a bunch of stuff that had already been in Creepy, right? In the sixties, right? Like it happened. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Like how how do you do? How can you publish? By I mean, were they any good? By the know? lack of a union, yeah. that's how you can do it. Were they any good? Do you know? Uh, as from what I understand, they were pretty subpar because okay. they cranked them out at such a rate. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the the original editor of Timely slash Atlas slash Marvel, uh, Goodman, Goodwin, something like that, uh, was the name of the editor, and he was famous for just, let's pump out as much crap as we can, as okay. quickly as we can. Right. Um, in fact, Captain America became Captain America's Weird Tales. <laughs> So, for issue one of Captain America's Weird Tales, it was one Captain America story followed up by a bunch of horror stories. And then by issue two of Captain America's Weird Tales, it was all horror, no Captain America. Was it he still, was did they the still call it Captain America's Weird Tales? Yep. Yep. So Captain well, America for only was, one more issue, and then they just canceled it. Captain America they just canceled the it. Mm-hmm. narrator? Yeah. Uh, nope. <laughs> Can you imagine no. Captain America? Yeah. Climb up, my pretties, and yeah. I'll tell you a terrible story. Yeah, and me and Bucky will tell you this terrible tale. Um, <laughs> no, it's very weird, but that <laughs> happened a lot. Um, uh, the I believe the Blue Bolt became one that was sort of like Blue Bolt's. Uh, like ghostly tales, and the blue bolt wasn't in it, but it was called Blue Bolt Ghostly well, Tales. You got to sell it, right? Yeah, right. You got to <laughs> sell it, and so let's just get rid of the blue bolt. We'll keep the name so that we know it's suspicious, and then yep. we'll put a bunch of horror stories in it. Um, yeah, there, there were tons of these things, and and some titles that you might be familiar with, including Marvel Tales was one of the titles right. that Atlas came out with. Another one I believe was Tales to Astonish. Yep. Strange Tales, um, Strange from the Atlas? Tales was another one. Was Atlas? Um, a lot of those uh, that you think of, not Amazing Fantasy. Amazing I believe Fantasy. that was much later, okay. uh, post code. But a lot of those titles that you're thinking of, Tales of Suspense, that kind of stuff, yeah. had their origins as horror comics. Right. Um, but there were other good ones too. I mean, e- EC was definitely of highest critical acclaim. 
Uh, but there were also other ones like Harvey put out a lot of good ones, Harvey Comics, okay. which you might think of as like, oh, Baby Huey Harvey Comics. Right. Yes, those Harvey Comics. Um, they released, so, oh, their title, Black Cat, which you think of as a superheroine Black Cat, became Black Cat Mysteries. Oh. Uh, Black Cat was, of course, jettisoned. Yeah. And entirely in favor of these horror stories. And uh, I've, I, Harvey, to me, had the most gruesome covers. Faces disintegrating or being blown apart. You know, uh, you know, uh, woman's face turning into a skeleton Ooh. kind of stuff. Uh, fingers being blasted off. People being eaten. Uh, they Their covers were very <laughs> ghastly, gruesome affairs. Nice. Um but I really love Harvey style comics. Uh, Chamber of Chills, Tomb of Terror, Black Cat Mystery, good stuff. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, but there were millions of these things. Adventures into the Unknown, um, Beware Tales to Tell in the Dark, uh, or Beware Ghost Tales. This magazine is haunted. Weird horrors, weird tales, weird this, weird that, strange this, strange that, and. These things were huge, and people oh, bought yeah. them by the dozens. Now, these stories, I, I will say, um, I, I got into these, like, I, I think in late high school or college is when I started reading these 50s horror tales, because yeah. the EC comics were being reprinted yes. by Gemstone. And, uh, I mean, by the time I was buying comics, there was still a lot of surplus of those reprints, so right. I was able to get them for, like, a buck a piece. Um, nice. And But you read them, and... They are dark tales. Yeah. They're violent. Mm-hmm. They're unrelenting. Um, they are explicit, especially for the time. I mean, you think about what movies could show, right? Right. In the 1950s. And you had the Hayes Code still in effect. Mm-hmm. And it was very, you know, things were very tame. Right. You know, uh, bloodshed could barely be shown, if at all. Basically, what happened if you got shot is you just doubled over and that was kind of yeah. it. You might have um, a trace of blood on a fingertip when you pull your hand away. Right. That's it. Then you wrap it up in a napkin for the rest of the scene so it's not seen. Right. But in these comics, it is the devil pulling people down to hell, spears through people's brains, um, a butcher who has human entrails on his display stand. What a wonderful world. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can understand why parents would be a bit disgusted by this and like why would you sell this to children and children were buying them and reading them yeah uh they were very popular with kids and parents i i would think were rightly nervous about that yeah i mean kids probably shouldn't have been reading these comics i would not let my son read these comics uh but but a 10 year old or i guess you know a teenager yeah let him read it the solution should be not to let your kid read the comics right not to get a code right so and there were a couple estes kefauver yes 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 (laughs) so what happens is there are a couple of editorials that were published uh one was something like uh horrors in the nursery or something like that about crime crime comics especially because that was 1948 so that was before yeah. the horror boom the crime um, stuff was particularly gruesome yes too, it was right? yeah it was and uh lurid. very very yeah lurid definitely yeah. lurid um you know uh, crimes by women if you want to see some lurid covers <laughs> uh check out crimes by women which I, I will say a lot of the stuff we're talking about this pre code comics a lot of them are public domain 
the vast majority of them are public domain. Check go just go to Digital Comics Museum and check them out. Okay. Um, Crimes by Women's on there. <laughs> so is Crime Does Not Pay, which was like the flagship crime comic. Okay. <laughs> um, so that came out, and then of course was uh, the patron demon of comics himself, Doctor Frederick Wortham. Even though he's not worthy of the title, Doctor. Uh, that's what he was, and that's, uh, what was given to him, and he released, um, well, there was one article he did for, like, for some magazine called, uh, The Comics, very funny, you know, sarcastically, <laughs> so he did that, and then, of course, there is his 1954 screed, Seduction of the Innocent, mm-hmm. in which he made, uh, some very bold claims basically blaming it for all of juvenile delinquency in America and saying that the comics industry that Hitler is child's play compared to the comics industry what a jerk. which is uh, quite the hyperbole um, yeah so this fur gets to a point that there is a damn senate hearing on juvenile delinquency Uh, and comics are at the center these guys yeah and uh led by estes kefauver who who this is a black spot on his career otherwise i read up on him he did a lot of good things as senator democrat from tennessee democrat from tennessee i think he ran for president a couple an old dixiecrat yes he did Mm -hmm. yes he did uh but he did some very good things one of the things he did there was an uh his crowning achievement was lowering drug prices in america he he was aghast at at the profits that were being made by drug companies so ss kefauver bless you for that so (laughs) you did good there damn Uh, you for this yeah but damn you for this um good good on you for that damn you for this so they had these whole hearings william gaines was called to the stand and they brought up one of his issues of crime suspense stories where he's uh a killer is holding a woman's severed head oh, by the yes, hair that and, that, and the yes. axe and the bloody axe yeah um that's a very iconic cover of that uh-huh. era uh-huh. and they say and estes kefauver is like mr gaines do you believe this cover to be in good taste and he says well, for a horror comic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Um, so the Senate continues to do this digging. And ultimately, they find that comics are not culpable for any wrongdoing towards children. That they are what they are. Yeah. They're not responsible for juvenile delinquency. Good. What did happen, though, is that they strongly suggested that they begin to police themselves a little bit. And so with that comes the 1954-1955 Comics Code Authority, which, let me read some things. That's surprising that they took the recommendation to do that. Yeah, I mean, I know that a lot of media companies were very worried about government censorship so they thought they should take the initiative so they took to, it as like an ultimatum police right. yourself or we're gonna we're oh, oh, going we'll, to oh do we'll it. do it yeah, yeah right and so they would rather police themselves and have the government have, have a censorship board that right. does it uh, for them so oh it must be said here i, I do want to say this it's been found later on that a lot of wortham's research was pretty bogus he exaggerated a lot. Um, people have come out later, a lot of psychologists saying that his work was very unscientific. Um, so uh, 
Frederick Wortham, you suck. Yeah. Your work sucks. Get out of here. You get out of here. Get out of Dodge. Um, your intentions were not even noble. You were just a dick. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah. Better get the bleep yeah. button. Yeah, that's right. Um, but here are some <laughs> quotes. Now, I'm going to list some of these quotes, and you tell me if you think you can make a horror comic in these within these ramifications. Okay, I will. All right? I got four here. Four okay. bullet points. So here we go. Scenes dealing with or instruments associated with Walking Dead, torture, vampires and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolfism are prohibited. Does Frankenstein count as a Walking Dead? I, or can I, I is there would a say Frankenstein so. loophole? Because <laughs> I can make a Frankenstein's yeah. monster. The the Frankenstein Act of 1956, <laughs> brought by William Gaines. No, um, okay, here's another one. All lurid, unsavory, gruesome illustrations shall be eliminated. Well. All scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permitted. And here's the kicker. No comic magazine shall use the words horror or terror in its title. And you tell me after hearing all that, could you make a credible horror book in no. those ramifications? Unless you were very, I mean, unless you were a very good writer. Yeah, no. I could. Like I said, yeah. I'll take the Frankenstein's monster monster loophole. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Um, the bloodshed you can sort of like, you know, so sure, like it it, it happened in creepy. Show the yeah. woman start to fall head first onto the machete, right. and then somebody's reaction as you write "ie" yeah. around right. the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Or, or, or like a like um, bugged out eyes, aghast. You know, you could name it "gruesome tales." Yeah, it's yeah. not horror they, or terror. There you go. Um, but no, probably not. There's yeah. a lot. There's there's a lot of stuff. Like mm-hmm. I would change my titles to something sci-fi, probably mm-hmm. right, or fan, or a fantasy. Which is what, or like, um, I believe "Tales to Astonish" was right. Marvel's attempt to sort of curtail things. And but it's hard; it would be very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of the former uh, titles really began to focus back towards mystery. Yeah, uh, given the code, um, a lot of science fiction. Uh, like you could do, you could do a horror, but you. You could ground it like it would be mystery. You could do mm-hmm. like a you could do you could use make help the reader use its imagination and mm-hmm. do some stuff off panel. Um, but you like, could like, do you could maybe do a slasher movie like, like a like human serial killer. Style. Yeah, yeah. You could do something like that, like yeah, a yeah. human serial killer. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, that's not the vogue back then. No, you wanted a vampire story or mm-hmm. a Walking Dead story or a or that's a werewolf what I want. You or know? like or like you know uh, a witch doctor enchanting like witchcraft and yeah. sorcery enchanting yeah. the dead to do your bidding. Like, I, like we I, talked about read... zombies in yeah. the last episode you and I did. I, I, I want to read stories about like people like people being turned into gargoyles for merry-go-rounds. Yes, like like in Fawcett comics did that story, right. or, or a, a story guy... about like a wall of flesh. Yeah, like, that's what I want to read. Or a guy turning into a bat. Yeah. Oh, like a Basil Wolverton story? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Basil Wolverton's one of my favorites. We'll like talk that. about him. Or like a um, unearthly worm. But yeah, I mean, so people <laughs> tried, they, they pivoted. Um, EC Comics notably did one called Incredible Science Fiction, which they did for a few issues. Yeah. Um, there was one title, one story they did called Judgment Day, where an astronaut visits a planet and the red people are oppressing the blue people. 
and you know all this kind of stuff right and in the very last panel you see the astronaut speeding away and he looked through his helmet and it's a black man oh yeah and, oh yeah no i heard about that yeah and the comics code says you can't do that and william gaines was like but that's the point he has to be a black man like yeah for this to work like he has to be a black man he's like okay well but can you make him a little less sweaty? And you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> I hate and, people. And at, and at that point, William Gaines just brushed his hands and, and said, said I quit, right? I'm done. Let's just do Mad Magazine. We'll turn Mad into a magazine and forget it. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. The Comics Code is too oppressive. Ugh. So he just quit. Right. And I think because of that, I think because of the code, it made gearing comics towards children the only... Alternative? Alternative. Yeah. Well, the only way you could reliably make money, because if you couldn't do these sorts of things, I feel like adult readers felt that they no longer had a place in comics. Um, they, like the right. romance com, everything. Now, it wasn't just horror. Like Romance comics had to be toned down. Crime comics had to be toned down. Western comics had to be toned down. Everything did. And children's comics were just simply easier to make within the code. It was easier to pump right. those out. So, I, I think in America especially, you had this turnover from seeing comics as a general audience thing into a medium for children. Okay. And, and I think right. that that hampered comics for decades. Maybe even up until the present day. Probably. Uh, I, so think, I, think even, I think it's harmed American comics irreparably. I think even now there is comics for adults. I think the the bigger market nowadays is still kids and children. Yeah, the, those are still what sell the best. Yeah. Uh, Mega Man comics and yeah. Sonic and Archie, uh, they still sell like gangbusters. I mean, yeah, they do. My I mean, Little Pony stuff. And just think about that. And that's part, yeah. Why they decided, why they thought they were needed to police it is kids yeah. were buying those comics too. Yeah. Kids were buying those yeah. comics. Yeah. And and I think you know people will point to Marvel and say that that they helped uh, raise the bar for comics within the code, and I think that's true to an extent. Right. But I still, they were still largely for children. I I, oh, yeah. I don't think it was until, gosh, maybe twenty years ago that comics finally regained an artistic strong artistic right. presence. I mean some people would say like Alan Moore and stuff in the oh, 80s yeah. maybe cuz he, he and he, Frank Miller but didn't even Alan then, Moore bring back Swamp Thing after it went yeah. away in the, yeah, at he the end did. of the 70s. He and, was the guy and who brought he it did back. that he did Miracle Man right. which was a very explicit comic. He's um, done some love Lovecrafty stuff recently. Yeah, Frank uh, Miller Necronomicon and Providence. Uh-huh. Frank Miller did The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. But even then to me, those comics feel very adolescent. They, they don't feel adult. They, they feel like what happens when a 15-year-old wants to get gritty, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't like The Dark Knight Returns. I don't think it's a good book. <laughs> um, I, know, I know that's uh, that is probably a blasphemy in a lot of circles, but I read it and I think, well, this is what an angry teenager writes. This is what, you know? Fair enough. Um, and... And I think Alan Moore, he's admitted as such, saying, like, I don't want to write those stories anymore. I want to write, like, stories about Batmite. Like, that's what I want to write. <laughs> um, I want I want to write goofy comics. I don't want to write this, you know, excessively violent stuff. I, yeah. And I feel like Alan Moore was doing it just because he was told for so long that you can't do that in comics. He's like, well, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And you kind of have to have that sort of, that sort of adolescent hormonal release to get to yeah. become an adult. Right. And I feel like that's what the 80s comics were. Okay. That's maybe a controversial opinion. I don't know. 
if you want to if you have a thoughtful opinion about that i do want to hear it i do want to read it and maybe i'll do it as a bonus podcast so if if you want to talk about at what point does comics recover from the code and where you think that might begin um send your opinions to me uh, on at nate underscore lockhart on twitter or um uh, memory machine pod at yahoo.com is my e- is the email for for this show so so do let me know i think that would be that's i think that's a that's a very fascinating discussion yeah. worth having anyway horror comics were not under the radar forever no they found a way yes they did life and comics find a way and here i am Trey, to tell you about tell us how all about i'm going to take you on a journey through the 1960s and 70s all right um so yeah, it certainly did not hold him back for long. There were there were still a few comic book publishers who did not adhere to the code, didn't sign on with the code. So notably, they did Gold Key, Gold right? Key, Dell, I Dell. think. So mm-hmm. they did some stuff on their own. Um, those companies that were publishing books mainly based on like the Twilight Zone. Uh, I uh, think Dell did one based on the Munsters and the Adams Family. Yeah. So like horror, but not yeah. in the vein that you got in the old EC glory days yeah and know? i think the reason they could get away with it is that they had already had very established representations of yeah. being uh, or, or very established reputations of being wholesome publishers yes yes exactly right they so were they considered wholesome so they did that and they, yeah. they did stuff that was tamer and like i said they they said we're not signing on to the code so they didn't sign on to the code mm-hmm. um but in 1964 along comes warren publishing heck yeah with creepy and they so they could get around the code, published it as a magazine. The books mm-hmm. were magazine size, magazine format. So just think about a wide comic book, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. Yep. So I mean, it was still a comic too. book, black uh, and it white, be said. Yeah. black and white. But they said this is a magazine. This isn't comics, so they can get around the code. You know, mm-hmm. much in the way that probably Mad did. Mad was a yep. magazine, right? Yeah. So yeah. they did that. Not uh, a comic. 1964 yeah. launched there initially as a quarterly. Eventually, very soon, got successful and became a bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. But 1964, Creepy Number One dropped, featuring uh, Uncle Creepy, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> one of the great horror hosts. In yes, my one opinion. Of the great horror host. Yeah. Terrible name. You do yeah. not want to be somebody's Uncle Creepy, but yeah. unless you're in that family, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, with yeah, Uncle Creepy and Cousin Eerie, cousin which we'll, we'll talk about, Cousin yeah. Eerie. Yeah. So uh, Uncle Creepy uh, told you scary stories, spooky stories, stories of of werebeasts in the jungles and voodoo zombies come to life and and mm-hmm. towns where Dracula fought a werewolf. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, in the middle of the fight, a ghoul showed up and killed them both. Yeah, I've I read that one. <laughs> I've read that one. Yeah, the inspector was a ghoul. Yeah. Um, so they did that. Uh, boasted Archie Goodwin as a writer. Yeah, Archie Goodwin would also write on some Marvel Marvel horror titles. Archie yeah. Goodwin was a like a story artist, not a story artist, uh, a writer. And when the first uh, editor went away, Archie Goodwin took over. Mm. Um, also boasted such artists as Neil Adams who was some Green Lantern yeah. uh, stuff, right? Mm-hmm, Green mm-hmm. Lantern, he drew some other stuff for Marvel that it's escaping me, but s- speaking of Marvel, Steve Ditko yes. drew for Creepy. Mm-hmm. Other uh, people like Frank Frazetta, who I think Frazetta does... Probably al- most famously is Frank Frazetta, because yeah. of his covers. Covers his, covers his album covers and the yeah. covers of the magazine. Yeah. Like Think about think of a, a Molly Hatchet album cover, yes. and you have Frank Frazetta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
and very, uh, very scantily clad, like yes. barely not naked, right. uh, busty lasses. Right, horror you know? stuff, but you know, it looked like maybe something you'd see on a Conan, Conan the Barbarian right. comic look. Right, uh, yes, or yes, another. yes. And then Angelo Torres, who was very good. I don't know much of what he hmm. wrote for. He might have done like more underground stuff, but know. he was another. He's on a lot of. He's in there a lot. A, a very prominent artist through the early creepy runs. Um, I know Al Feldstein from EC also yes. jumped over uh-huh. a couple of old EC writers yeah. and, and at some point artists. Bernie Wrightson, who mm-hmm. you might know as an illustrator for um, covers of uh, Stephen King uh, Dark Tower series, oh, and cool. the uh, illustrator in the uh, the Cycle of the Werewolf uh, little novelette, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. It was successful soon after its la- well, two years after its launch. A um, I guess we'll call it a brother magazine started which was a mix of earlier like creepy reprints and new original stuff and they throw an old creepy comic in there called eerie hosted by cousin eerie cousin eerie uh, oh i yes. love his design his oh yeah squat yeah uh, kind of mutated dwarf look oh yeah, yeah it's it's pretty yeah. great like a like a demented weird butler yeah it's yeah like crossed with a gnome yeah yeah uh, it's a great Her- design. Hervé Villa, however, Hervé Villachez. Hervé yeah. Villachez from the horror world. Yes, um, that's sort of his look. Yeah. Um, other magazines would soon pop up from other titles: uh, yes. Weird, Terror Tales, Tales of Voodoo, mm-hmm. and other publications. Yeah. Um, they would go through. Creepy would be uh, successful uh, at the start. Uh, 1967, it sort of fell in a rut and started to lose money, but was re-energized. I think in the 1970s, Archie Goodwin returned mm-hmm. in 1970 and brought it sort of brought it back to life. I mean, Creepy ran from 1964 to like 1983, almost yeah. 20 years out of that magazine. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it fell off. Well, I I mean, comics, I think, in general fell off at some mm, point, right? Mm, mm, I mean, at the mm. 80s, you had a weird, like, DC had its resurgence because of Frank Miller and yeah, Alan Moore. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was in the 80s, um, the mid-80s. And, 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 and some of those some of those superhero books in the 80s started to get gritty. Remember, like, how, like Daredevil? Like, yes. What Bullseye became? Oh, just... Bullseye was kind of a wisecracking Joker ju- guy, just, and uh, then he killed Elektra, and then you're like, okay. Yeah. Like, because Frank Miller went did some Daredevil stuff in the 80s, right? Yeah. I so, talked to my friends, um, uh, Carl, Carl Duty, uh, friends of the show, Carl yeah. Duty and Drew uh, Celestino of The Devil's Do. Right. They... They are just like all hail the '80s Daredevil. Yeah, like, like some of that, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Yeah. Some of that dark, gritty stuff yeah. came into the superhero comics. I mean, mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane was a Spider-Man artist for a while. Yeah, uh, that that the Spawn five, guy. Yeah, the Spawn yeah. guy did yeah. did a five part series that's great and horrifying of Spider Torment. I think it's Spider-Man mm-hmm. and the Lizard, like a mm-hmm. five part. So, like, I think maybe that's why some of it fell off, but. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the resurgence that sort of Warren led in horror, the mm. Comics Code Authority relaxed a little bit. Yes, they did. It began to relax, so Marvel started introducing some horror back into its life with Morbius, the vampire, mm-hmm. in the Spider-Man comics. He became a vampire through scientific means, so mm. he was around as a villain, but before long... Tomb of Dracula, which is great, which is one of my mm. favorites. Which was an actual comic, yes. should be said. Yes, uh, Like... Uh, which I think before that they had done like Dracula Lives or something. They like did that. Dracula that was, Lives. That was one of their magazines. That was a magazine, uh, right? Because Marvel, Marvel did. It has to be said that Marvel did this too in the wake of Creepy and Eerie yes. success. Yes, in the wake of Creepy and Eerie success, as the code relaxed, Marvel Marvel also did some 
some anthologies in the in the vein of creepy Tower yep. of Shadows, mm-hmm. uh, Chamber of Darkness. DC did the Witching Hour. Uh, mm-hmm. Brought back all its ho- House of Ghosts, House of, house of Mystery, House of Secrets. Yeah. DC brought back its house stuff. So yeah. they got back into horror publishing. And so Marvel launched in 1972, launched Tomb of Dracula, which mm-hmm. is a, a very, Seminal. very good, very mm-hmm. good. Uh, like, you know, um, Marv Wolfman worked on it. Uh, Gene, Gene Colan penciled the whole thing from 1972 to 79. They had the mm-hmm. same penciler, the same artist did the whole mm-hmm. run of the show. Um, Archie Goodwin worked on Tomb of Dracula after he was done with Creepy. Wow. Um, uh, like I said, Marv Wolfman, Gene Colan. Um, it surrounded a group of vampire hunters. Well, it started with you know with with a descendant of of Harker. No, not Harker. A descendant of Van Helsing. Van Helsing okay. buying an old castle in mm-hmm. Transylvania. It happened to be Castle Dracula, and they woke Dracula up. And so yeah. then, you know. Uh, Frank Drake is the guy's name, met up with Rachel Van Helsing and Harker, a descendant of Harker, Quincy mm. Harker, sitting in a wheelchair wanting to stab. So he, like the descendants of the Van Helsings and the Harkers got together to hunt Dracula and other creatures from, of the supernatural. There's a full arc where somebody was trying to capture Dracula, called himself Dr. Sun. <laughs> S-U-N? Like Dr. Sun, S-U-N. All he right. was Dr. Sun, uh, you know. The son for Dracula, I think he was Japanese. So, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, I see. But like, so that or, or there's other ones, you know, other care, other people would come in. There would be some focusing on the vampire hunters. Somebody wanted to get Dracula to help them be immortal or trap, you know, other. Yeah. So some issues, Dracula, although the main villain of the series was a protagonist for mm. some other supernatural thing so this group of vampire hunters hunting dracula other other supernatural uh creatures would be in there witches and i mean it was just it's great Uh, sounds like marvel really let them be creative oh yeah 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 they let it It, it's good it's good i i you know there's uh there's omnibus publications and trades it's Mm. all on marvel unlimited like i i wanted to find tomb of dracula for years that's the one reason why i got a marvel unlimited so i could just go on and read Tomb of Dracula, um, and uh, Werewolf by Night, which is another one. Uh, I'll get into Werewolf by Night in a second. Blade came out of Tomb of Dracula. Ooh. It was introduced in Tomb of Dracula, yes, I think in like issue right. 10. Mm-hmm. And Blade, if you see the first appearance of Blade, he's very much a blaxploitation-influenced yeah. 1970s stereotype of an African-American yeah. man. Yeah. But um, but he's great. I mean, he became... Dracula, you yeah, dig? But yeah. like... He came in like for one issue and then was in there for forever. I mean, and you know, wearing like got the big sunglasses and a trench coat on. I mean, mm. doesn't he does not look like the Wesley Snipes blade? No, 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 no. <laughs> I remember we were. He looks like um, a pimp, is what he kind of looks like. Yeah. Well, I remember we uh, did a little wa- walk around when yeah. we were at the Nickel City Con, just kind of looking over the different vendor tables. Right, and the one guy had the first and the issue one guy had the Blade. first issue with Blade, and we got to talk about old black exploitation movies yeah. through that. Um, but that was pretty cool. Uh, that was pretty because you, you helped me pick out some creepy comics yes. to buy because I'm unversed and, oh, and yeah. creepy, and you're just like, I'll get this one, and yeah. uh, I will get this one with your budget, <laughs> and yeah, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that, that, I, that was very nice to have oh, that reference. <laughs> I love those. So yeah, he he was there. Uh, Dra- yeah. Tuma Dracula ran from 1972 to 1979 uh-huh. for like I think like 71, 72 issues somewhere mm. in there. Or may, or was it like ninety seven? So to so think. like not a runaway hit, but popular enough. Oh, 
popular enough. It ran for yeah. seven years. It ran yeah. for seven, like I said, it ran for seven years with the same penciler, the same yeah. artist. It ran and, That's pretty and, cool. And, and like a group of right, like the good thing about that is that I don't think in there American wasn't comics. a ton of turnover yeah. on Tomb of Dracula. There was yeah. some. Archie Goodwin was there in the beginning, and he gave way to like Marv Wolfman. But I mean, they had like I think for seven years maybe three different writers. Hmm. I think I, I don't quote me on that yet. That's just what I I think I remember. Um, that was a success enough for them to create in, I think, Tales of Suspense, who then eventually got his own run, Werewolf by Night. Uh-huh. And See, he I was know a hero. About this. Uh, Jack Russell, bitten by a werewolf and turned into a werewolf, had some crossover with Tomb of Dracula within like the first 15 issues. Um, Only natural. But was like more on the hero side. Hmm. You know, he was a, a werewolf, but he was, f- you know, fighting villains. And, you know, he wasn't huh. he wasn't he wasn't a superhero, but he wasn't like so tied into this a different type of horror comic than Tomb of Dracula. Was. Yeah. So Tomb of Dracula was very much a focus on let's get the evil bad guy like going after Dracula, the bad yeah. guy, like an ongoing saga, like werewolf by night had some of his, his own adventures and stuff. And would, he's, you, would you say almost a, a, akin to sort of like. Uh, 70s Hulk like I guess like or um, s- sort of the sadness of like Lon Chaney's Wolfman kind of a maybe thing. yeah 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 like he, he werewolf by night didn't ask to become a werewolf you know yeah um yeah. you know I'm not super familiar but from what I understand from what I see and it's more of like a you know he it's not a saga as much as its own adventures because I think mm. like when werewolf by night ended its run it ran from 72 to 77 for like 43 issues mm-hmm. like the character didn't end. I think Werewolf mm. by Night will a- a- appears throughout the Marvel Universe in the ensuing years. From Naturally, yes. Like so, he's not like you know how like Dra- and Dra- so does Mar- Dracula Marvel will sometimes. never turn down an opportunity right. to reference themselves. Like a, a Mar- like Dra- I think you know Dracula showed up outside a tomb of Dracula at some point. Yeah. Um. They did that. There was a uh, eighteen. I never read any of it, but an eighteen issue series called like the the Monster of Frankenstein. So there was like an 18 issues. Yeah, I would love that. Frankenstein is my favorite of those classic monsters. I think monsters. that was like a sev- started in like 73, 74. So there was a Frankenstein title, The Monster cool. of Frankenstein, I think. I think it, it like it was a short run, but I think that existed. I've never seen any of that or read mm. any of that. Mm. Um, Marvel hopped onto the, the Warren bandwagon with some magazines of their own, Dracula right. Lives, Monsters Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Um, around the time, I'm not... Like I said, I, I'm more of a creepy guy. I like Tomb of Dracula, um, but I, uh, I'm i not too familiar with the, with this other stuff. But also yeah. very important, at least in, in history, because they're still prominent now and people still love them now. In the, in the 70s, Marvel introduced Man-Thing and yes. DC introduced Swamp Thing. Yeah. So they also came about in the 1970s. And Swamp Thing Swamp, Swamp Thing debuted I believe in House of Secrets. It's a mm-hmm. very iconic cover with the woman brushing her hair while the, the Swamp Thing is coming up behind. It's a beautiful cover. And I think like Man Thing was in Tales of Suspense or something like that. Yeah. I think Groot was in one of those. Groot started off as like a monster of the week thing. <laughs> like it's just like, "Oh my god, it's a giant tree." Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, so there was that stuff. So that was in the 70s and mm-hmm. and sort of like, you know, I think toward the end of the 70s they all went away. Swamp Thing came back in the 80s, resurrected mm-hmm. by Alan Moore, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, notably. I mean, um, well, it had been resurrected because of the um the Wes Craven movie. Right. Wes Craven made a movie yeah, about, about, Swamp, about Thing. Swamp Thing yeah. and then so they resurrected the series and then a couple years after that Alan Moore took that over. I 
this is just a, a quick aside, is that Marvel really tried hard on the ma- comic magazine thing in the 70s. Because yes. it wasn't just horror titles. They had, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but they also had like Deadly Hands of Kung Fu right. starring Luke, not Luke Cage, um, Iron Fist, among others. I believe even some were just like, here's a Bruce Lee story. Um, they did that. And then most mind-boggling to me, a Hulk comic book, a Hulk comic book that was a comic magazine called The Rampaging Hulk. I oh, remember yeah. seeing that in a comic book store and thinking like, so is this like the Hulk, but with like blood and boobies? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe I don't get it, it is. Yeah. You know what? I think I forgot this. I think Moon Knight debuted oh, in Werewolf by Night. Oh, I that's think, pretty cool. I think he did. Now, see, that is a Moon Knight comic I would read. Yeah. Him fighting werewolves and stuff like that and zombies. Yeah. But yeah, just that's like in cool. terms of like, uh, I was telling you about the Dracula. There's a to- Tomb of Dracula issue number 44. Mm-hmm. Because you demanded it. Yeah. Dracula battles Doctor Strange. <gasps> and one will die. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so, like, you see, like... That's a cool cover, They would too. bring some some of that stuff in there. Like, so yeah. it was... You know, he'd fight there. Um, that's a really cool cover. Blade, Hannibal King would yeah. all be in that stuff. Seriously, there are so many great horror comic covers. Yes. Creepy is loaded with them. Uh, great comic covers. The 50s has, there's some amazing, look up any cover of Web of Evil from the 50s. Jack, okay. a- anything he drew, uh, Jack Cole, anything Jack Cole drew. Yeah. Or Howard Nostrand. Oh my God. Howard all Nostrand. Great. All right. Uh, anyway, I guess there weren't really many explicitly horror titles in the 80s and 90s, if I understand it. Not that I really I mean, knew there were elements. Happened. Yeah. Right. I mean, Batman certainly allowed itself to deal with grittier more uh violent villains yes and with with more horrific ramifications um i i want to say horror just sort of got enveloped back into every other popular genre right of comic at the time Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's also the type think about in the 80s you have your slasher movies yeah, that type of that slasher stuff wasn't really part of the comics. The type of horror that was popular wasn't the type of horror you were finding in comics. So maybe mm-hmm. they stayed out of there, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, because maybe... it was more of your Michael Myers and your Jasons and your Freddy, right? Like you right. or your My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, and, and if you wanted violence, I mean, the Punisher was more willing to get violent, so you would get that, and, and right. the Punisher in the nineties, especially. In the 2000s, you could get your uh, bloodlust there. Um, yeah, I don't... Uh, I mean, leading into the, the 90s and 2000s, it sort of was... It, it became its own little niche genre again, like it was in 1948. Right. You know, there's other comic genres that are much, much more popular. Horror will never be the zeitgeist again, I think. No. And that's okay. It, it has its fans. They know what they like. <laughs> they know what they want, and they get it. Right. Uh, there's a couple ongoing series today that I can think of. Well, one of them is, uh, two of them actually are just reprinting old stories. Right. Notably Haunted Horror, which okay. plums the depths of 50s horror comics. Okay. And The Creeps, which reprints a lot of creepy and right. eerie stories. Uh-huh. Uh, along with a couple new ones peppered in. Okay. I gotta uh, check that out. Yeah, The Creeps is cool. I've been meaning cool. to check out The Creeps. Yeah, The Creeps is cool. I, I like that one. Where do you find it around here? 
I just go to my local comic book so store. So they have they have the creeps at Pulp Seven One Six. They did. I okay. mean, I bought the last copy. You're welcome to try to find one. Okay, but, but uh, <laughs> they do. But I well, I guess if you bought the last, they do get it in when the yeah, new they issue do get comes it. Out. So, so okay. if you put in like a subscription, if you put in the I want this when it comes yeah. out, they'll they'll they'll, okay. they'll put one aside for you. Um, yeah, I, I there's that, and there's a new one that comes out called I believe it's called Deadly Terror, and that one is all new stories, all new comics. Really, um, they are relentlessly ghastly they really? they will just like axe to the head you know i'll <laughs> blood have to check gushing that out. everywhere I love to they are shameless get into that. deadly terror is shameless um so i i would get those but i i shudder to think what would happen if i left one open around and my wife stumbled upon it <laughs> i think it would just break her brain ah! yeah or my son, for that matter. I don't. I don't want him seeing that. I, I, I get worried about that. But yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to add about sort of eighties, nineties, two thousands of horror comics? I feel like I. I feel like it just sort of became its own special little niche. Yeah, and, I, like I don't know what like like that when I was growing up and getting into comics, but that's when I started finding creepies. Yeah, you know? we weren't yeah. finding my dad. My dad used to because I used I used to go and read Spider Man comics, so my dad would go into comic book stores with me and say, "Do you have any creepy?" Yeah, and they would always be like, "No, we don't have any. Nobody brings those in. Nobody brings those in." One day, creepy number yeah. one, my dad found it, Celian Kane's cards and comics. Yeah, and bought it for me. And mm. then soon after, somebody brought a bunch of creepies and eeries into collectors in, and yeah. he had never had any of them. But all of a sudden, he had creepies and eeries, and they yeah. were cheap too. So I was like, "I gotta get a bunch of these." Yeah, uh, I think too. You know, now to think about it, there were a lot of um, Godzilla comics. In the 70s, Marvel published some Godzilla comics, and those are very weird. I have a couple issues of that, and, like, the Fantastic Four fight Godzilla. Like, <laughs> not just, like, I mean, it isn't a character that looks like Godzilla. No, they're fighting Toho's Godzilla, and it's just accepted. Like, it's not even a special thing. It's like, this issue, they fight Captain America. Godzilla fights Captain America, and you're just like, what? And it's just it's supposed to be accepted as normal. Um <laughs> Cool, yeah. But but there were then comics too. Dark Horse did Godzilla comics in the nineties. Okay, um, that were influenced by more of the Godzilla movies that were coming out in Japan in the nineties. Okay, Godzilla movies that we did not get until right. after the ninety eight uh, piece of trash movie came out. Um, but those were a little bit more horrific in nature. You know, uh, Godzilla stepping on people and stuff. Not just Godzilla, Defender of the Universe of the seventies. Yeah, I don't know if there's more to say about that. I th- I think that about yeah that about covers it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess we should at least mention some of the ones we know about. Like there was like now in terms of current stuff because there are some or yeah, or more or Dead. at least more current than not. Walking yeah. Dead, Lock and Key was Walking another Dead. big one. Yes, of course. I don't know why we didn't say that yeah. earlier. Yep, uh, Lock, Lock and Key Dead. with Joe Hill and uh, yeah. Gabriel Rodriguez. I think. Yeah, there's a lot of independent. Um, there's or, yeah uh that marvel did stephen king's the dark tower yeah um there's another, one did um, the stand uh he, there was one a collaboration between stephen king richard matheson and i think it was marvel maybe or somebody else american vampire so there are plenty mm-hmm. of stuff new there's even things like archie will do things like uh, archie versus the predator yes. or archie zombies right i've heard or okay. marvel zombies is right, another one yes. that, that they'll do um there's so. another one even um I want to check this out because this this uh, writer was just at Pulp Seven One Six, 
she was there signing her books and all that kind of stuff but i don't remember what the title of her book is and it's killing me devil within i'm sorry okay devil within is oh is you know what i heard about does. that mm-hmm. signing. she writes that book and I, I don't remember who that's published by um but image will do stuff like that all right. the time they, they have no problem incorporating elements of horror into their books superhero or otherwise um uh, yeah that's, yeah. I, think, I think that's ending on a good note. Walking yeah. Dead, I guess, is your most prominent example New one, today. Yeah, like Kirkman does a lot. He did he yeah. did another one that's pretty good. It ran for like 25 issues, but it was good. Um, the I think it's the Astounding Wolfman. A guy gets bitten by a werewolf and then he becomes, you know, kind Sounds of a cool. superhero. Ah, cool. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean... I'd read that. It's good. I mean, the you, yeah. you like the Walking Dead comic, which has always been uh, a pretty good comic, uh, regardless of what you think of the show. Mm. Um, the comic's always been pretty good. And mm. if you like the comic, you'd probably like this astounding, astounding Wolfman, astonishing Wolfman, one of those. Maybe yeah. I'll look it up and whatever, whenever we take a break and I'll, yeah. I'll correct Well, I, I think we are just about to take a break. <laughs> so what we'll do is we're going to take a break real quick. Uh, you know, grab another drink of water or beer or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some of our favorites, some of our recommendations. Yes. And I think some of our favorite writers or artists, because I think there's a lot to explore there. Yeah. So we'll be back with that in just a moment. And uh, we'll leave you with these messages. What's up, geeks? This is Liggy Smalls, Dan Liggett, just reminding you to go onto the Patreon page. Geeky Versus on Patreon. We'd love to get your support. Every bit counts. 
So if you come in on Patreon.com slash Geekyverse, also give a subscribe to the YouTube page. Just look for Geekyverse on YouTube, and you'll be able to give us a like there. There's other podcasts. Uh, Memory Machine isn't the only one that you can listen to, because that's the one I'm primarily on. So, love it, but listen to Girls Who Geek. Geeks Got Game, who just released their fall 2018 preview. There's a spoiler cast who just reviewed the new Mission Impossible movie. And then, of course, Walking Carpet, which is all things Star Wars. You can always check out the website to view the most upcoming articles, uh, content, uh, opinions, op-eds, anything that you want to listen to or read, it's going to be on there. And then, of course, we've got the Facebook page where we'll post the links that you'll be able to see. So please, we are here for you. We want you to be here for us. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. Below the crypt lies the vault of horror. A treasure chest of the macabre. Madness. Voodoo. Vampires. Torture. things that make life worth leaving. That's how it is. And how it always will be. The Vault of Horror. Decades ago, my late father was instrumental in starting the comic magazine industry. He edited the first few issues of the first modern comic magazine, Famous Funnies. Famous what? Funnies. I was the first publisher in these United States to publish horror comics. I'm responsible. I started them. Some may not like them. That's a matter of personal taste. It would be just as difficult to explain the harmless thrill of a horror story to a Dr. Wortham as it would be to explain the sublimity of love to a frigid old maid. What are we afraid of? Are we afraid of our own children? Do we forget that they are citizens too and entitled to the essential freedom to read? Or do we think our children so evil, so vicious, so simple-minded that it takes but a comic magazine story of murder to set them to murder, of robbery to set them to robbery? Welcome back, everybody. We're back from break. We got ourselves uh, another uh, drink, and I ate a bit of... Uh, my wife made some chili, so I had a little bit of that before coming back in, so I had a little something in my stomach. Uh, but we are back here talking about some of our recommendations and some yeah. of our favorites, things that we want to talk about regarding horror comics. So, Trey, do you want to get us started with some things you might recommend oh, yeah. newcomers to the genre or perhaps who some of your favorite artists are? Well, I would say go find yourself uh, creepy magazines. Mm-hmm. They probably you can find used. They they collected. They're all collected in these omnibus 
books uh, called the Creepy Archives. You can get them, mm-hmm. you know, they do them by, you know, by five issues. They're pretty pricey if they're new. If you find a beat up used one somewhere, you might be able to get it. You know, I think if you belong to like Comixology. Yes, they're very cheap um, that they're way. They're very cheap that way. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you belong to Comixology or, or subscribe to whatever, I think Dark Horse has digitized all of them yeah. in the archives. So right. if you belong to whatever subscription service Dark Horse offers, it's a cheap and easy way of seeing them because they right. have all they have all the creepies on there, mm-hmm. um, and they have them. I think they have them grouped by the omnibuses that they released once they got the, the rights to the Warren stuff. Yeah. So I think you can do that at Comixology or or the Dark Horse app. Mm-hmm. Um, the creepy hardbounds, the creepy archive hardbounds, I believe, are fifty dollars retail. Yeah. Comixology is thirteen dollars. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you can go digital. But those hardbounds are sure. Uh, you Trey brought a couple yeah. in here, and they are very nice. They're very nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of see why they cost fifty bucks. Yeah, I mean, the big like glossy print, like mm-hmm. really glossy, like high quality. Yeah, and they're heavy. Yeah, they're, they're, they're well, they heavy. they use decent paper stock yeah. and beautiful covers, and yeah. Yeah, the, those books will outlast us. Yeah, <laughs> by I, a couple hundred years. I would say go for them. They are they are uh, they are my favorites. Mm-hmm. I think you know they're they're just pulpy enough. Mm-hmm. You know they're very influenced by the pulp, but there's a there's I think when you read them, there's something that's like unpulp about them. I think because of the era. There's an aspiration to them too. Yeah. I feel like. They they want to kind of go above and beyond right. with every issue. You you can um, tell that. I think and I think like by the sixties it came around horror stuff being as much of a pulp thing as it mm-hmm. was like, you know the stories are told more as you would see them on, say the, in the comic books. I would I would say like um, the in the forties and fifties they're they're very much of the pulp variety straight out of like yes pulp of weird tales. If you read. If the the ones in the '60s and '70s, the creepy stuff, um, I would say reminds you more of the style of how a story is told on an episode of The Twilight Zone or Rod Serling's Night Gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, those those are good. That was good, scary uh, TV horror and sci-fi and creepy stuff, but it wasn't. Never felt pulpy, and so the the creepy stuff definitely influenced by that type of humor but they don't read like pulp like there's a very mm-hmm. there's a mm-hmm. awesome one where uh this guy i think it's in one of the first five i'll have to i'm gonna look for it real quick yeah um well because i was gonna say too at a, at a certain point it would be a, a fun kind of go through to see what some of our couple of our favorite stories yes. are and in, i'm gonna, I'm gonna find it here this one it reads like it reads like an episode of the twilight zone and it's called well, I will find it. Either yeah. way, this guy like hears rumors of some witch in town. So he he burns like this wolfsbane or this flower and he mm. kills a witch in town. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's getting, you know, he, he doesn't realize it. So this witch is getting revenge from beyond the grave. Mm. Uh, he's like slowly like going that. insane and it reads yeah. like a slow build twilight zone that's um, uh, that's one of my favorite kinds of horror stories is uh, revenge from beyond the yes. grave so i'm yeah. not so distracted <laughs> yeah, yeah. nate recommend one of his favorites while i find okay it. <laughs> okay um speaking of of that a couple of my favorites a couple of my ec favorites are a couple of the most notorious ones uh one of which is called taint the meat it's the humanity where a uh, butcher finds out he's been selling a bunch of tainted meat and 
Uh, there are consequences to be paid for that, culminating in a very... Uh, I'm running out of synonyms here for <laughs> for these things, but culminating in a, in a very uh, gory final panel, uh, which I believe had to be uh, censored a little bit because there's an exclamation of good lord and uh, oh, in, the, in the 50s yeah, yeah good lord good lord niles there's a bunch of tainted meat in here uh so, so there's that uh taint the meat it's the humanity is a great ac story another one that i really enjoy with a similarly with a similarly entrail filled finale is one called foul play where one of the guys uh, on a baseball team murders an opposing player or something like that or murders one of his own players so he could become the star pitcher. I don't know, I haven't read oh. it in a while. But anyway, there are some quote-unquote foul play afoot <laughs> and uh, he gets his oh, comeuppance God. in a in a very over-the-top way and it's quite enjoyable. There's a couple others Yeah, I want to... I want to pull out, but while I'm doing that, while I'm doing my own research, Trey, you pulled yours up. Yes. What's the title of yours? It's called Bewitched. Bewitched. And it is in it, it's in the first issue of Creepy. Mm. And it's so uh, a man. It's a uh, stories by Larry Ivy, and the art is by Gray Morrow. And it, I mean, it's just this beautiful, beautiful piece. So this guy finds a book on witchcraft in the attic. Mm. Um, and he says he's reading all the legends and his wife says there are legends about witches in this area like my grandmother's used to tell me the story the guy's like oh nonsense pish tosh you know mm-hmm. something like that and he says um, so he finds all these legends so he finds a spell for killing witches it's every time you burn a branch of holly on top of Douglas Hill a witch dies and so he decides Ooh. to do it just for laughs so he goes into this store and he buys a bunch of holly branches he says, I, uh, I'll burn these hollies, these holly branches for you because the owner was going to burn them. He's like, I'll take them and burn them for you. And uh, an old woman says, are those holly branches he just bought after he leaves? You know, like it would be like an episode of the Twilight Zone. Like, uh-huh. So the main character goes away. And the last panel is a woman saying, were those holly branches he just bought? And the owner says, oh, why, yes. She says, oh, dear, and walks away. And so he goes and he burns that holly branch on the hill and it's a beautifully drawn panel you see him burning it lighting it on fire and then the next panel is him Mm. like all of a sudden uh surprised and looks scared and you know a scream across it and it's almost like a watermarked image that old woman that saw him by the holly branches they show her screaming out in agony but it's watermarked on the image of the scene so it's like it's like superimposed so you see him run home and he's all he heard this scream, so he's all unnerved. Yeah. He starts having these weird dreams, and he thinks he's been bewitched. He's having dreams. He's got these chest pains. He's he's having this, like, basically like a panic attack. And then he starts doubling over. I feel mm. like I'm being stabbed with a knife. And his daughter comes and says, Look, Daddy, look what I got from this kind old lady in town. It's a doll. And she gave me this large box of pins. Oh, and it said voodoo doll of him. Yeah. And she's been just stabbing him. Oh, boy. And she gave, because she gave, and it's his daughter did it, but she gave one to every little girl in the whole city. Mm-hmm. So it's he can throw away his daughters, but everybody else has this voodoo doll of him. And he's getting yeah. pinched. And it's great. It just ends like a Twilight Zone. And the next episode's a good one of Revenge, 
um, about a comic book artist who's uh-huh. having trouble drawing something. So he hires three people to do it, to write and pencil and letter his story, and then he kills them all. He shoots them all yeah. and dumps them in the ocean or the lake yeah. of the water. And they all come back for their watery revenge. All right, yes. And they kill him. And Ghostly the last revenge. Panel, his editor and his wife come into his office and it's trashed. Yeah. He said, oh, look. Looks like he's been working on something new. And it's a, a beautiful panel of him being attacked by the three people he killed. And it's drawn in blood. Like, it's just. Ooh, like, yeah. I love that yeah. stuff of this. There is one creepy story I remember reading uh, in the few that I've read that really kind of burned into my brain sometimes creepy could tell very sympathetic stories um there was one where a woman is being uh she's upset because her husband only lets her out at during the night won't let her out during the day and and he's gone out and there's always someone who is dead by morning and what is up with that what's going on and and i think my husband might be a vampire yeah and she starts doing some sleuthing, and she stays out during the day, and she begins to burn up. I, I think that's how it, how it ends. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, she was the vampire the whole time, yeah. and he was trying to work for a cure for her yeah. all this time, <laughs> yeah. and he was going to get fresh blood for her so she wouldn't die. Yep. And like that's, I I, I never yeah. really like wow. This was not telegraphed to me at all. I was so surprised. <laughs> no, it was a pretty cool twist. Because yeah, in a lot of the '50s ones, you can I I can see the the twist coming pretty like a mile away. You know, um, I I just kind of enjoy the pulpiness of it. I, yes. I I revel in 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 them just being themselves. But that one really got to me. There's a lot of very clever storytelling in the creepy yeah. stories. Um, another one that I really enjoy. One of my favorite artists of the era of not just horror, but anything is Jack Cole. I love his work. He was the man who, uh, who uh, came up with plastic man. That's his sort of big, okay. uh, contributing factor. Um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, Jack Cole, Jack Cole is one of my favorites. He's just very, he's very good at doing exaggerated expressions without coming off as too cartoony. Oh, okay. um, I really enjoy it. One of my favorite stories of his is one called Hangman's Horror. And like I s- said before, I'm a big fan of ghostly revenge stories. And this one is uh, is a good one. It's loaded with, with great uh, things like like getting a, a horse to trample someone to death. And there's just a lot of great reaction drawings where the ghost is done in just sort of a almost a neon white if, if you can understand if you can see it but there's okay. someone who sees him coming back he says it's jeb dawes and he has his hand pried back so perfectly and the shading is just so great it's it's pulpy but not and uh nobody could draw quite like jack cole i i he's one of my absolute favorites of the genre um but yeah hangman's horror is one and uh, again I've said this earlier in the podcast, but check out any of the covers he drew for Web of Evil, which was a quality comics uh, horror title in the 50s, and they're all brilliant. Particularly one for The Man Who Died Twice, and it is a a man in the electric chair cackling as he's being zapped. It's (laughs) it's great. It's great. It's terrific. Yeah. That's another one of just my 50s favorites. And there's another one, too. I wish I could remember the title of it. Uh, My good buddy and former... Uh, co-host Seth Zielinski is currently borrowing this issue of Haunted Horror that has it in it. But there's a Fawcett publication that made one about 
this uh, evil carnival owner who is capturing people and turning them into gargoyles, which he then taxidermied and <laughs> and then made as like things that you would ride in his evil merry-go-round. And remember that just the the the, the grimaces and the the ugly visages of these these gargoyles being particularly uh, imprinting in my mind. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff out there. Do you, uh, you're saying you, you have a recommend? Your main recommendation, I guess, would be the the creepy volumes that have been released. Yeah, I would find the creepy volumes. Yeah. You could, there's 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 a lot of stuff. There's old issues of, are also not hard to find. No, creepy. yeah, they're not hard to find. They're pro- yeah. they probably are a little pricey if you find them in a store. Like yeah, like if I you, you can find stuff. I mean, I bet you, you could find bulk on eBay just like a big stack could. of them. Like yeah. if you go into a comic book store, you might find some good ones mm-hmm. for like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a creepy on, annual, which is like you know double thick. Uh, yeah. With, stuff and I, I pay 10 bucks for it yeah. 10, 10 bucks well spent in my mind yeah it's not bad to spend that stuff in a while and, and creepy yeah. there's a lot of good stuff they did a lot of adaptations mm-hmm. they did some lovecraft adaptations mm, i yes. was telling uh nate before that um they did uh an adaptation of isaac asimov's adam link they went a little yeah. sci-fi but then yeah. they did it like the continuing adventures so it was yeah. like a serialized like adam yeah. link doing this stuff that's uh, cool saving stuff um they did. They do uh, in a couple of the fir- within the first ten issues. I don't know which ones exactly. They do two really good adaptations of Robert Louis Stevenson <gasps> stuff. They yeah. do um, the Judge's House mm. and the Body Snatcher. The yeah, Body yeah, Snatcher the body one snatcher. is really good. Yeah, like they do some really. They did some Val really Luton good movie. stuff. Yeah. So I mean, great stuff. I'm looking at you know Archie Goodwin did a lot of the scripts. There's an interesting one that I just opened to called Blood of Krylon, and it's a, like a vampire in space movie. Ooh. Yeah. Art by Gray Morrow, script by Archie Goodwin, but it's a vampire who is, who is like, you know, killed a bunch of people on this spaceship, so he's trying to go to a, a new planet where he can have fresh blood, and he, yeah. he goes, he lands on the planet Krylon. Nice. And he, he gets there, and he, he murders... You know, he attacks a man who's who's not uh, who's unaware, but before he can kill him, the sun comes up and he dies because on Krylon night only lasts four hours, Ooh. and he landed a little late. Ah, like I love it, love it. Krylon is just like Earth except for one thing, which yeah. colonists adjust to, but which would be hard for vampires. The planet rotates much faster. Night only lasts four hours, as like the in a panel yeah. of the. Dracula or the vampire drying up. I mean, there's just so much. The art is just so great to listen to. There's lots of you know. It's and and they're really willing to play with old tropes in very creative ways. Oh, I, yes. I think that, but but that still remained very recognizably classic. You know, like all their vampire stories are all very clearly vampire stories, and they're a lot of fun. And they let you have that. You know, right. um, they don't try to reinvent the wheel in a weird way. No, um, they they're, don't. They're I very mean, clever I mean, stories. Like there's, there's you know. Like I said, be universal horror. There's werewolf stories. There's vampire stories. There's mm. mummy stories. Mm. I mean, it, it is really great. There's abominable snowman stories. Yeah. I remember reading one about the abominable snowman. There's that was zombies. pretty good. I mean, there's there's a one mm. called Death Plane. Um, yeah, and it's basically it's World War One. It's the Red Baron. Mm-hmm. But if you kill the Red Baron. You find out the Red Baron is a ghost plane. 
Uh, so whoever uh, kills the shoots down the Red Baron's plane is cursed to become the next Red Baron. Oh, cool! Like so, you kill him. That's sort of that sort of reminds me of uh, one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes with the pool player. Yes. Yeah, a game, a De- game, of, game pool. of pool. It's the best yeah. Twilight. It's my favorite Twilight Zone episode. Is it really your favorite? Yeah. Oh, I love that episode. That's my it's favorite so great. Twilight Zone episode. It's, it's such a great character study. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That episode is so good. But that's kind of what that reminds yeah. me of. But see, like with that, yeah, like, like yeah. there's more of a Twilight Zone feel to some of this stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a... A, a twist at the end but it's yeah. but you know like it's a twist because you know like when the twilight zone twists happen because you thought differently than what things actually are that come about and like that's mm-hmm. the vampire on krylon mm-hmm. the guy burning the witch um the the guy killing the red baron becoming the new red baron mm-hmm. it just like th- there's more of a like a like um there's more there's punishments for hubris and stuff. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love stories about that. Their got their their protagonists in creepy aren't uh necessarily hapless. So yeah. there's a comeuppance that a lot of them are due, you know? It's, yeah, yeah. It's stuff like that. Or like yeah. I like I was saying the one is the um the vampire versus the werewolf and at the end the ghoul comes and kills them yeah, both. Right, like, yeah, right. <laughs> I am a ghoul. Yeah, and you right. See, like, and it's a beautifully drawn panel where he's opening his mouth and you can see whatever ghoul yeah. spittle is on his teeth. And yeah, like, like yeah. the saliva like stretching. Ugh. Yeah. It's it's great. Yeah. I love I love creepy. I mean, it's just fascinating just to look at all of them because it was mm-hmm. beautifully there's a, there's, done. There's a very wide there's a wide array of art too yes very varying and varying styles uh-huh. like yeah from issue to issue right you, you get a lot of cool right looks at everything yeah from issue to issue from styles. story to story because mm-hmm. it's not one guy right doing everything on the story it's, right it's, you know it's you know they they're doing you know um and, and different writers on different stories so it doesn't have one narrative voice it doesn't have one uh artistic voice um mm-hmm. it's just great i guess that's the best way i can do to explain it i mean i I've you know I I got the I collect some of the omnibuses I collect some of the other issues so there's just all these different ones going through my head so mm-hmm. but um even when they relaunched it before it, it was the, the Dark creeps, Horse when Dark, Dark Horse, Horse relaunched it. it some of that stuff is good it is good there's, I have um, a couple issues of that there's a story about like a uh, 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 it was about a vinyl collector <laughs> like looking for a, uh-huh. a a rare record and this I guy has it and it's one. the one that's supposed to it's gonna like summon the devil and they have to go yeah. to this like desolate swap uh, and yeah. it's I think it I forget I think it's like Angelo Torres or one of the guys who mm. worked on the original run drawing on that and that relaunch they brought a lot of the original guys back if they were still alive to do work once in a while mm. um, yeah I just recommend getting in and looking at it it's beautifully drawn Mm-hmm. There's too many things to count and recommend. Just go find creepy and eerie somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah, and and definitely with the prices on Comicsology, it's hard to say no to yeah. that. Actually, I have a library. Um, my, my library has a, a digital component to it that you can use called Hoopla. Yeah. So I can log into that with my library information, and every single issue, uh, every single collection of eer- creepy and eerie archives is on there. So I can just look at it on my phone whenever I damn well please for free. Now, is that... <laughs> Go me. And that's just in Hoopla. So it's not like it's specifically a thing owned by NT Public Library. No, it's uh, f- it's uh, the Nioga 
library system. system. So Niagara County, Genesee right. County, and your county where you're listening might have it as well. So, yeah. so definitely check out to see if your well, library has a digital component. check it out for because I'm in Erie. Erie might have something. Maybe not Hoopla. But I don't know might, if they have Hoopla. But they, they might do it through another thing. Yeah, so I'll have to check and, it out because I would love yeah. to see that stuff. Yeah, so definitely check that out too. Your library might have a lot of these. Yeah. Um, I will say other recommendations for 50s era uh, horror comics. Um. That's my main interest yeah. is the 50s, although I do love delving into the creepy stuff from time to time. Yeah. There's a current publisher who mostly works through IDW, uh, Craig Yo of Yo Books. That's Y-O-E, Yo Books. Uh, he releases a lot of books under the titles The Chilling Archives of Horror Comics. And they're these big, you know, 250-page collections of old 50s horror comics, and they're like 25 bucks a piece. And they're all great samplers. Some of them are based off of um, artists, different artists. Uh, I have one on Jack Cole. There's another one I would love to get on Howard Nostrand and Bob Powell. And those are a couple of my favorites. I'd love to, to get those at some point. He also does, Yo Books also releases a monthly, just a you know, normal comic book that you could buy that collects a few different 50 stories that you can read called Haunted Horror. And that comes out bi-monthly for three ninety nine. You can get yourself a 64-page comic book filled with 50s horror comics. Um, and just pick up one of those, and it's a, a really fun read in, into uh, the, the halcyon days of, of uh, horror comics before they were forced to go underground. Um, so those are good. There's another great one called Four Color Fear that you can find that's just almost 300 pages worth of horror comics from all kinds of publishers. Uh, including a lot of cover reprints. That's really good. I think it's $25 right now on Amazon. It's great. Um, as far as EC goes, because none of the EC stories are in these collections that I just mentioned, um, EC has been reprinted a lot throughout the years. Gemstone, The Gemstone reprints of the 90s are probably going to be your cheapest bet, if you can find those. Uh, they printed a lot of them, and they didn't necessarily sell all of them. So your local comic store might still have a big old box of them in the back that they want to get rid of so go check that out uh the ec archives is also very good those are reprinted and digitally colored digitally recolored so it's like a big archival um remastering of these comics so you end up paying a pretty penny for them it's very much like the creepy thing that we were talking about though that you can buy these nice, beautiful bound books for 50 bucks, or you can go on Comixology and pay $13 yep. and get them as well. Um, EC Comics are great. They're very wordy. Um, you know, this is something I always forget when I go back to reading EC horror comics, is that they're very wordy, and the panels are almost superfluous, the panels of art, um, <laughs> in terms of telling the story. Right. I mean, they aren't superfluous because they're gorgeous, but, but they're unnecessary for the story, and it's kind of funny... When you every panel has a paragraph, on oh, yeah, it. the 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 Harvey stories don't have. I, I feel like <laughs> they let the art do more of the. Right. They let the art do the walking on Harvey. Well, I mentioned um, it earlier. At some point in the '90s, when I was a kid, there were these little like paperback books. Yeah, they were like short story adaptations of stuff that had been in Tales of the Crypt. So you'd get you'd get a mm -hmm. story, and mm -hmm. then you'd get. Uh, a panel or two, yeah, a couple with, choice with some panels. of the dialogue. Like yeah. I remember one. It was one about um, the uh, grandma told this her her grandson never to go down into the basement and play in the coal bin. Ooh. 
Yeah. But he thought there was, because, like, you know, and he was scared of it because Grandma never wanted him to go down there, so he thought that there was a ghost in the coal bin. Mm-hmm. And Grandma got locked in the coal bin and is calling up to him at the top of the stairs. And he's like, no! You're mm-hmm. a ghost, and my Grandma never told me to go down there. No, help me, I'm in the coal bin. No! <laughs> and then the coal truck comes and, <gasps> yeah. Oof. Evil, and she's a, she's a mean Grandma. She uh, okay. always would told his, t- tell so the she, little boy his dad yeah. was a drunkard and yeah. talk crap about his dad. So maybe she deserved it. Yeah, so she, so she gets it. I noticed, too, <laughs> I, I, I noticed too in a lot of 50s stuff, there's a lot of... Um, Henpecked husbands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, in fact, there's one EC story that I remember. That is a henpecked husband with a corpulent wife. Let's say, and you know, says she eats too much, and then at the at the end of it, she he tries to cut off her chocolate supply, so he chops him up and puts him into these like into the chocolate box and is like is like essence of heart and and, uh, <laughs> and like uh and like eclair de lung and things like that oh, uh, especially uh you know all that uh they man ec love to chop up organs that's oh, that's yeah. a, that's at the climax of a lot of ec stories well, how else are you gonna um, kill, kill somebody dis- and have nobody find them right yeah that's right yeah a lot of dismemberment <laughs> in ec stories um, but I think that about wraps it up. Again, yeah. there's a lot to explore in yes, horror ex- comics. She said, explore Tomb of Dracula. That mm-hmm. one is really good. I think that'll be worth mm-hmm. your time. Um, and, I don't and, think I explained it terribly uh, attractively, but it is really good. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, yeah. and that's the thing. There's a lot of flavors. You have the Marvel yeah. flavor, which yeah. you know, which Marvel's really big on the continuing storyline stuff right. like that. And for that, you have Tomb of Dracula, and it's good storytelling on right. it too. By the way, and Just, if you want, and if you want something yeah. that's a bit more Twilight Zone and a bit more thoughtful horror, you do have Creepy and yeah. the EC comics. Right. If you do want the kitschy, and you know the, the kitschy and outrageous, that's there for you too. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other '50s stuff um, yeah. and the Harvey stuff is, is particularly um, just outlandish and and colorful not just in terms of the fact that they're, they're in color but metaphorically yeah. speaking mm-hmm. um yeah there's a lot of fun stuff out there and there's even some cheesier stuff too i think goosebumps is coming out with a comic which just yeah. see it just seems perfect of yeah, course, of course goosebumps should R- have a comic rl stein did yeah. an arc on man thing a couple years ago yeah. oh did he yeah okay yeah he did um he did uh yeah goosebumps is coming out with one a few years ago there were a couple collections called Goosebumps Graphics, G-R-A-P-H-I-X, comic adaptations of existing Goosebumps books, which are are cool to look at. Yeah. yeah, They really are. What a great idea. So there's a lot of that. Which which those are a bit more tame if you kind of like that, if you like the the cheesier but still kind of, you know, winking at the audience. It might be a a way, if you loved Goosebumps as a kid, it might be a way to look at your favorite Goosebumps stuff again. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I I don't think those books hold up terribly well. Yeah, I would agree with you Um, on that. In ter- as well as some other ones, but I mean they're, they're still great. If you got if you got a kid out there that you want to read all the same Goosebumps books you do, give them to them. They're probably still great for them. But yeah, um, I do remember Vampire not, Breath scared yes. the crap out of me when yeah. I was a kid. But I don't think they hold up as much to adult ears. But mm. that's probably not the point of them. Yeah, mm. I don't think he was trying to transcend. Nope. Nope. So they're very good, but you know, um, they they might not capture your attention if you're reading the paperbacks go look for those uh, comic books yeah definitely definitely well thanks very much for listening uh 
you might hear from us again. We're going to figure out what's going on in a couple of weeks, uh, what kind of episode we're going to get. But it's either going to be Mega Man or uh, Night of the Living Dead or Wrestling Trivia. So Ooh. three very different things. I hope you like all of those things because that's what's going to be coming out. One of those three. So look forward to that. Go read some horror comics. Yeah. Enjoy your Halloween. Eat a lot of candy. Watch a horror movie. Or for nervous types, watch It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. have a very happy Halloween. Watch all the Halloween episodes of the old Roseanne. Those were always good. I, I heard about that. <laughs> I heard about that. Or if you're into uh, Nickelodeon cartoons, the uh, episode of Hey Arnold with the Ghost Train. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The yeah, Ghost Train. The Ghost Train yes. to hell. Um, uh, oh, that man. might be for next October. We might have to do uh, great Halloween episodes of, yes. of television. So Right. Anyway, Trey... Where can we find you? You can find me at Trey Whittish on Twitter, T-R-E-Y-W-Y-D-Y-S-H on Twitter, and Trey.Whittish on Instagram. Um, and on the Gigaverse itself, I write Podcast Obsessed every mm-hmm. Monday, recommending podcasts from all the, throughout the world of podcasting. Yeah. If you're one of those people who are too afraid to put on your Facebook, recommend me a podcast because you know you get... 500 responses yeah. uh check out trey's podcast obsessed yes you'll be able to explore the world of podcasts at your own pace yes. <laughs> at your own pace yes. at a few i mean it's mainly earwolf and max fun stuff but that's what i listen to and that's hey, what i love it's, it's a and good you know what it makes me laugh so it's, listen a, to it's it, a everybody. good uh it's a good crop to pull from also listen to crime town that one's great oh yeah but yeah check me out at podcast obsessed every monday at the geekiverse um mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I also review other stuff from time to time. Lately, it's just been podcast obsessed. That's what I have mm-hmm. time for. That's what I've been able to fit into my schedule. So, mm-hmm. And if you happen to be in the Buffalo area, you could come to <laughs> one of Trey's <laughs> improv shows. An improv show. Yeah. I just started doing improv. So you yeah. can imagine how fun coming to see one of my shows is going to be. <laughs> but, yes, I, I uh, perform with the Comedy Sports Minor League. Uh, I am doing a show at the minor league at the comics uh the comedy sports arena here in buffalo on november 2nd at 9 30 p.m come cheer him uh, on yes come cheer me on yeah uh, cheer me on Build i me am, i'm very upset Help i, I my will not ego. i'm very upset i will not be there well. for for this one in the first for the first weekend of november i I would love to come see you do that. I will that have would be somebody really videotape fun. it for you. <laughs> and if you want to come, tickets to the minor league shows are only $5. If you go to the regular show beforehand, the pros, mm-hmm. uh, you get to, you can stick around for free. Mm. Uh, so it's either 12 bucks for two or 5 for one. That's so not bad. Enjoy. Good deals. Yes. Uh, Good now, deals. Now to you. All right. So you've been listening to the main thing I would have to plug. It's Memory Machine. Go back listen to past episodes. We've covered a lot of different topics. Hopefully you'll find something that you like. And again, if you have any recommendations, things you'd like to hear us talk about, uh, please feel free to, to find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Lockhart or to email me at memorymachinepod at yahoo.com. Or, of course, you can find me, I guess, on Instagram at nathaniel.lockhart, but there's not really a lot there, I've got to be honest. Um with that having been said, uh, there, of course, there are plenty of other great podcasts on the Geekiverse Network that you can check out that are also a part of this feed. Um, I really try to get a lot of different, diverse topics on this podcast. So I've been having 
my wife on, you know, to do things like uh, Disney Channel original movies and Mary-Kate and Ashley, things I have no business talking about. Um, one of the things I hope to get off the ground soon is one on uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, Ooh. which I'm not a big fan of Hanna-Barbera, but I know people who are, and I would love to hear them talk about it. I can talk so, about some Scooby-Doo. There you go. Oh, you and Drew Burke both <laughs> love them some Scooby-Doo. I love Scooby-Doo. Drew Burke has an opinion on his favorite direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movies. Oh, I don't know if I have an opinion <laughs> on that, but I watched a lot of like waking up early in the morning mm-hmm. and Scooby-Doo on TBS during summer vacation. God, that show was ubiquitous in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. All on TBS. <laughs> TBS, so, Cartoon Network, TNT. Everything Turner yep. owned. Yep. Summer was vacation. On. I watched Scooby Doo until Gilligan's Island was on, and then I was oh like, "All right, gosh. time to go outside." I'm not going to watch yeah, Gilligan's right, Island. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, my favorite of the Scooby Doo iterations: Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, because it has Vincent Price in it. It's pretty great. Oh, yeah, Vincent Price. Yeah, Vincent. Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Uh, um, but I'm trying to think. If there's anything else really to plug at this point? I mean, it really is just this podcast. Yeah. And follow me on Twitter at Nate underscore Lockhart and. Although I haven't even been posting much there either. Bug me. I'd love to hear from you. Bug Nate. Bug Give me Nate. feedback. I don't get a lot. so Great job, <laughs> Any Nate. little bit is good. That's my feedback. Great job. Thanks, Trey. <laughs> All right. Now, for real, thank you for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye-bye.